You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou... Would you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord Jesus, we seek to abide in your word and come to a right understanding of it. For in your word is the truth that sets us free. Bring us to a right understanding of that word now, that we might not be conformed to the spirit of this age, but rather transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we might better give our lives to you. And this we ask in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Matthew, I'm taking over the room with a remote. Um, so, I learned at the first service, the hard way, the truth of the old Roman adage that fame is fleeting. I've got a little song to wake you up with this morning to start my sermon, and I assumed everyone would know the song, but apparently not. Um, could you click on that right-hand side just to make sure that I've got the control up here? Ah, thank you. So this is by uh, this is a song by Billy Joel. So I'll give you the artist. All right. <laughs> Couple people have it. That's good. So that, that song is off of his 1983 album, An Innocent Man. And um, if you know anything about that album, it was quite, it made quite a splash when it came out. It has a lot of great songs on it. My kids know those songs, though it came out when I was in middle school. Um, songs like For the Longest Time and stuff like that. Um, and it was his tribute album to his musical influences. So every song on the album is done in the style of a famous artist of the 1950s. People like Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons, James Brown, Wilson Pickett. Uh, that's, I think, James Lyons and the Teenagers there. Uh, of course, Diana Ross and the Supremes, The Temptations. Every song on the album is done this way. And not only is he paying tribute to his heroes, um, but he's, with this song that I just shared the ending of with you, that song is sort of the declaration of the reason for the purpose of the album. Okay, the raison d'etre of the album is that he's proclaiming his allegiance not only to that music, which he sees himself as a continuation of, um, but also to the lifestyle that accompanied it, the te his teenage years. Um, so if you listen to the songs, the lyrics, you can go home and put it on YouTube or whatever, um, you'll hear that it's... it's 
It's all kind of stuff that I only know from happy days growing up. It's talking about how he wore a tight, used to wear a tight pair of chinos and a shark skin jacket and had a bouffant bro like the other Romeos. That he always had a pack of luckies in his pocket, you know, stuff like that. Um, and so he's he's expressing his loyalty to that and his love of that culture he grew up in. Um, and that's why he says, I'm keeping the faith. Now this, this turn of phrase, keeping the faith, is, is going to be helpful for us with this morning's sermon because, because of the, the moment of history we live in, we tend to think of faith as something that happens in our head, primarily or, all, or maybe exclusively, because the primary opposition to the Christian message is not or the Luther, especially like the Protestant, the Lutheran message uh, of salvation, what we understand the scriptures to be saying, is primarily not other Christians who disagree with us, but is rather secular humanist atheists who disagree with us. So we think the big leap is just to believe God is there at all and that he's acted through Jesus Christ. But keeping the faith means staying true to that which has been handed on to us. And this, as you'll see in a moment, is exactly what the Bible means when it talks about faith. And keeping the faith is what Reformation Sunday is all about. Maintaining what has been passed on to us faithfully and passing it on and proclaiming it again. In our first reading from the book of Revelation, we hear the angel proclaiming an eternal gospel. A gospel that lasts forever and ever. Amen. There is only one gospel from before the beginning of time to when time gets wrapped up, as the book of Revelation makes clear. This faith that we keep was rediscovered during the Reformation. It had become obscured. Kind of like too much fog keeps you from seeing that deer before you're about to hit it <laughs> this time of year. Um, it had gotten obscured in the practice of the medieval church. Okay? In the Christianity into which Luther was born, in which he was trained when he went to confirmation, but the, it, the whole Christian faith was summed up with a simple phrase do your best. Do your best. And maybe that'll be good enough for God. Luther, in his search for a compassionate, loving God, was sent by his spiritual father, Stolpitz, in, into the scriptures. He became a professor of the scriptures. And it was while reading the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, that Luther discovered that the righteous are to live by faith. Faith in the accomplished, completed work of Jesus Christ. And so, as the Reformation started to get rolling, truths like this from Scripture were not only proclaimed and rediscovered, but became slogans. This phrase from Ephesians 2.8, By grace you have been saved through faith. And its slogan form became, by, You're saved by grace alone through faith alone. And other slogans were picked up and became rallying cries. It's hard for us to imagine a day and age when religion was such a big deal, people would take to the streets and have riots about it. 
But this is what was happening, and it was what happened many times throughout history. And this is one of the slogans they picked up, Ad Fontes. Now you don't have to know Latin to know what that means because there's a baptismal font right there. It means the wellspring. Go back to the source. And this was a Renaissance uh, principle. They were going back to Greek sources that had just been rediscovered. But of course, for Christians, the source they were going back to was the Holy Scriptures, which like a snapshot in time had captured the mind of the apostles. Those who had heard Jesus' preaching and taught it in faithfulness even unto death. And as they dug into those scriptures, as they returned to the font and wellspring of the faith, they discovered their phrases like the ones we just heard from the book of Romans. That by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Not some human beings, no human beings. And we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Now this relationship between faith and works was at the very center of the Reformation project. Faith and works had always had a contested relationship, which is why St. Paul addresses it and St. James addresses it in, in the New Testament. They were focused like a laser on this during the Reformation. And unfortunately, something happened which the Reformers never intended. It happened later. And here's what happened. Faith got separated from works. This is what they never intended because the Scripture doesn't permit it. But in practice, people started to separate faith from works and not understand the relationship between the two. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Again, we want to come to a right understanding of the Word of God so we may be transformed by it. See, they had a tool at their disposal which most of us don't have. I do, because I went to seminary. And it's called Biblical Greek. The word faith translates as pistuas, okay? Which does, in fact, mean faith, but equally, equally it means faithfulness. And in practice, in the understanding of someone who spoke Greek, the two were inextricable from one another. So you could equally translate that passage from Ephesians I had on the board a minute ago, by grace you've been saved by faithfulness, and it would be just as accurate a translation. So what does this mean? Are they sneak is is works sneaking back in the back door so that instead of being saved by our faith, we're being saved by our works once again, that we're right back to let's do our best and hope it's enough for God? Not at all. Not at all. Depends on what you what you mean by works, though. And that's important. See, this is the formula as the medieval church taught it. Faith plus works equals salvation. So you get a little faith. I have my belief in Jesus. And then I have to pile up some good works for Jesus so that he, he thinks I'm, I'm good enough to get into heaven. Okay? 
Now, if that's your understanding of the relationship between faith and works, works has absolutely nothing at all to do with salvation. has nothing at all to even to do with the Christian life. But, that's not what the Scripture lays out as the relationship between faith and works. If your understanding of the relationship between faith and works looks like this, now you're getting it. That faith equals salvation plus works. Certainly Jesus prescribed many works for his disciples. But not so that they could be saved by them. Indeed, as the formula of Concord makes very plain, our good works aren't for God at all. Our good works are for our neighbor. God doesn't need my help. But my neighbor very, may very well. Faith equals salvation plus works. And this is what St. Paul is getting at in today's reading. See, what this means is that the law of works is not the same as the law of faith. This is what Paul's getting at. There is such a thing as the law of faith. It's amazing that that language is in there. But it's not the same as the law of works. To say it in the reverse way, the works of the law are not the same as the works of faith. See, what happens when we do the works of the law and keep measuring ourselves to, and asking ourselves, do I measure up? Do I measure up? Have I done enough? Have I done enough? What happens is that the law always reveals to us our sin and that we are dead in our sin, in bondage to sin. There's so many biblical metaphors. But what the works of faith reveal is a completely different thing. The works of faith reveal God active already in our lives. They reassure us of His grace and His goodness and our election. And his commentary on the book of Romans Luther wrote what I'm going to read to you in a second. This is quoted in the book of Concord about 35 years after Luther's death. He writes this. He says, Faith is a divine work in us which changes us and makes us to be born anew of God. You can just turn to the beginning of John's Gospel for that. It kills the old Adam and makes us altogether different people in heart and in spirit and mind and all powers and it brings with it the Holy Spirit. Oh, this is, it is a living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. It is impossible for it not to be doing good works incessantly. It does not ask whether good works are to be done, but before the question is asked, it has already done them and is constantly doing them. Do you see the difference? Works of the law, I'm piling up hoping for a reward. Works of the faith, I'm doing because I already have my reward. And because I love the one who has given the reward to me. Billy Joel didn't sing Keeping the Faith because he hoped to get anything from those long dead artists. He just loved what they did. We have something far better to love. And our Savior has done for us a far better thing. In the book of James... 
brother of our Lord says it this way, simply, I will show you my faith by my works. Works are us taking, our faith taking on bodily form just as the eternal word of God and Jesus Christ took on bodily form. It's our faith becoming incarnate. And of all the works of faith, of all the works of faith, more important than prayer, fasting, almsgiving, good deeds for my neighbor, penitence for my sins, more important than all the rest is this, repentance. See, penitence for my sins is, is my work, hoping I'm going to get forgiven. But repentance, repentance is a completely different kind of thing. Again, to the biblical Greek, the word repentance, metanoia in Greek, does not mean to be sad. Okay? Sadness may be part of it, but it doesn't mean to be sad. And if you have pictures of medieval monks beating themselves with whips, take that out of your head too. I have pictures of my high school girlfriend lining up for confessional in uh, early December because she wanted to go to Mass at Christmas and hadn't been there for a year. The lines were long. That's not what penitence means either. It's not what repentance means. Metanoia, repentance in biblical phraseology simply means to turn around, to turn around from everything that is not Jesus to the one true font of all goodness and grace, Jesus Christ Himself. To look not at my paltry works. To look at my insignificant giving. My attempts at prayer. My, my fasting. Do modern Christians even try it anymore? <laughs> to look not even at my repentance and ask if it's good enough, but to turn from everything that I'm doing and look at Christ. This, this is what faith is and does. As one theologian said, he said, Christians don't think much of themselves. In fact, we try not to think of ourselves at all. We've got much, something much better to think about. <laughs> the true font is Jesus. And this is why, as you're walking out of church today and look at that 95 Thesis, Thesis number one is this. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, Matthew 4.17, He willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. All of our lives are to be a turning from the things of this world, our best efforts, to Christ Himself and His completed work. Jesus is the true font of God's goodness and grace. And this is why it has been truly said that of all the, solo, all the solos of the Reformation, by grace alone, through faith alone, under the authority of Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone, all of those together amount to one simple affirmation. Christ alone. To Him we give ourselves. To Him we look. And in Him we trust. 
Would you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of faith that is in us, however small and feeble it might be. For we know that that is the evidence that you have claimed us as your own, that your Holy Spirit is working in us and transforming us through that faith so that our outward expressions, our works, may become more and more like you and what you would do in our place. Gracious God, Jesus Christ, truly transform us. Remind us constantly to look away from our own best efforts toward you, trusting in you utterly as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, entrusting ourselves body, mind, and soul to you, that through our works you may be glorified and we may give a good witness to the world. And to your hands we do commend our spirits and everything that is ours, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. My vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that Thou art. Be Thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, Thy presence my light.